2: the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host Kevin DeVries and as always if you'd like to reach us at the podcast you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPL Roundtable at gmail.com.
1: Hi I'm Richard Burns. I'm a Manchester City fan. You can find me on Twitter at uh, twitter.com at RichardTheBurns. I write for uh, Yahoo Sport, About City and for typicalcity.org.
0: Hi, I'm Sean Whetstone. I'm still a happy hammer, even though we've dropped down slightly to 7th place. Uh, You can find me at West Ham Football on Twitter. I write for ClarenHugh.info, West Ham blog. I also write for West Ham Till I Die, another West Ham blog. And also I'm a podcaster on more than just a podcast, obviously a West Ham podcast.
2: All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up First, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs these past few weeks. We'll start off with Richard. I don't think we've spoke since the whole Pep Guardiola news broke. I guess we let's happened. start there.
1: Yeah, um, that was... I think I've said on previous um, previous shows that I've done with you that once Guardiola announced that he was leaving Bayern Munich, the, the talk here was very much that... Um, It was going to be City manager and it um, that just snowballed and snowballed to the point that it was a a really badly kept secret. Um, It is a huge, huge thing for City to have attracted a manager of Guardiola's quality um, and standing in the game because, I I mean, I would say that since the takeover, I think it's the most significant thing that we've done off the pitch Um, and it is obviously facilitated by the extraordinarily good business that um, the chairman, um, Khaldun uh, Al Mubarak has done, um, that Ferran Soriano has done in, and I, I hate to use this phrase, but has done in in really selling the City brand. Um, Chiki Bergeristin has been um, huge in that as well. Um, and it's all culminated in City landing the most coveted manager uh, in in world football. And as somebody who... Was brought up on Division Two football under Joe Royal that progressed into um, a Stuart Pearce season in which we only scored ten goals at home. Um, that is, it's still a real sort of pinch yourself to believe it thing for me that we could attract somebody of Guardiola's standing. Um, there's never a guarantee of success ever, um, but bringing Ancelotti, Guardiola or Mourinho is the closest that any team gets to, I think, actually guaranteeing trophies. Um, And we should see a a good style of football with it. And it will be really interesting to see how Guardiola adapts to the Premier League. Um, There's a... a, I remember hearing it said recently that he's probably, um, of that sort of elite band of managers, he probably is the most tactical coach. Uh, And the Premier League is probably the least tactical league. And so that will be a really interesting combination. Um, and I'm very excited to see how it um how that plays out over the next three seasons. Uh, obviously once he's in place in the summer. Um, I think City deserve a lot of credit for how they've handled the situation. It's been clear um it's been clear for quite a while that Pellegrini has been kept in the loop and has known exactly what was going on. And I think to some um, and I don't mean this to sound arrogant as in we know better but to some people who perhaps don't follow it as closely um it may have seemed like an odd thing for Pellegrini to announce it or like his hand had been forced um but it has been very very clear through interviews that he's given to local media um in Manchester that he's known what was happening without being able to say and then he, he Chose the time of the announcement himself by all accounts. And um, so I think they've done right by him. It's the right decision for the club. Um, and I'm very excited by it. The, the, the calibre of player that we should be able to attract uh, will increase. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm glad you reminded me to talk about that because I forgot I hadn't been on since it was announced. Um, but I was so excited when I saw that news. I, I physically had to, I was at work um, and got a text message and I, I had to go on a lunch break just to take it all in and, and calm myself down a little bit because it broke at midday. And um, it was a really Huge deal, um, and then on to more recent city, um, and what this week has uh, has held for us. There was obviously the the FA Cup exit at Chelsea, the much talked about FA Cup exit at Chelsea because of Pellegrini's decision to concede that tie and that trophy in favour of the Champions League and the Capital One Cup final. Um, I accept lots of people will have a very negative view of that. However, um although i'm gutted to be out of the fa cup cuz it's a competition that i love like like most football fans do um i do understand pellegrini's thinking with it um we would need champions league progression we've never been past the uh, the round of 16 um by the the, the draw uh, or by being drawn against dynamo kiev clearly represents the best chance we've had uh, to get to the quarterfinal, because whilst um, they're they're not a, a dreadful team and every team poses their own threat and whatnot and there's certainly no Barcelona who have knocked us out the last two years so I think the the way that Pellegrini can justify that uh, the decision to play a team of children last week um, is by getting through the Champions League tie which we've taken a massive step towards doing and by winning the Capital One Cup final on Sunday um, which I think will be a very tight game but we've Will be favourites for it and and have every chance of winning that too. Um, and if we do both of those things, then as disappointing as it was to have to sacrifice the FA Cup, uh, I think Pellegrini will be able to justify uh, fully justify his reasons for doing that. Um had he played Aguero and company and one of them pulls up with an injury and we go on to go out of the Champions League and lose the cup final, then he would be getting absolutely blasted for that as well. Um, so I appreciate people have passionate opinions about the FA Cup and uh, how seriously it should be treated. Uh, but from a insular, um, an introverted look at it, uh, I would fully support Pellegrini's decision um, with what he did, uh, and the vast majority of the the youngsters that played did a pretty decent job of it. Uh, but in the first half, that the second half, the scoreline was harsh on them. Um, Willie Caballero had an, an absolute disaster of a game um, that should rule him out of contention for um, for the cup final on Sunday. But Pellegrini's is a very, very stubborn man, and. has promised all the way through that Caballero will play all the cup games so um, Pellegrini will choose him and will severely jeopardise City's chances of winning that trophy at weekend Um, but in happier news there was the midweek win over Kiev it's a really weird um, it's a weird reversal of recent years for City in that the Champions League has often been a bit of a a blot on our copybook in what have been relatively successful seasons. We usually have a good cup run. We've not finished outside of the top two of the Premier League for uh, for four seasons now. So we we're generally pretty successful at home. But the Champions League is always a, a, a blot on that copybook, as, as as I said. This year, um, we are really flattering to deceive in the Premier League. We're up with the FA Cup. Uh, obviously, the the Capital One Cup is going well. And um, but the, the Champions League is actually the um, the highlight of our season so far, we've put in our best performances in that competition. And it's like suddenly we're not very equipped um, to perform well on English soil to, to deal with the the challenges that the Premier League brings. But maybe we are suddenly out of nowhere suited to the Champions League and to, I mean, you look how we played against Sevilla away earlier in the season was probably our best performance of the um, the season so far. We did a similar thing to Kiev. Um, I don't think it was quite as high intensity in terms of uh, just relentless attack. And they did have a spell where the trouble doesn't look like they might put uh, claw back the two-goal deficit and, and equalise. Um, but it was only a brief spell. And what was really pleasing was that Kiev probably started on the front foot and City had enough about them to wrestle the game back in their favour, which isn't something we've always been good at under Pellegrini. We tend to, if we've got momentum going for us, um, we're all right but once it starts to turn we're not generally very good at, at wrestling that back in our own favor um, and it, it bodes very well for the rest of the season um, and certainly for the rest of the Champions League campaign that we're showing we can do that. Um, I thought it was a, a magnificent performance full of individual brilliance. David Silver, who has been pretty woeful recently and, and gotten away with it a lot in terms of Um, supporter criticism and media criticism he hasn't attracted that much of it but he's been really poor he was great last night Raheem Sterling was um, was great in Kiev Aguero can't stop scoring again because he's ridiculously good at putting a football in a net I think it's 16 goals in 17 Champions League starts he's got for us now Um, Yaya Toure putting his best performance in months we look far more solid at the back for um, for having Vincent Company fit again um, and putting Nicolas Otamendi aside him were wonders. that They were they were brilliant together. And Joe Hart, in complete contrast to um, Willie Caballero's performance at week, and Joe Hart maybe even won us the game with a, an absolutely crucial world-class save. Uh, when we were 2-1 up, if Kiev had equalised, it would have put a whole different complexion uh, on the tie. But instead, he was able to um, to keep them at bay and... We were able to add a third goal at the end. So it's been, I think, despite the the Chelsea battering, um, that was a, a pretty deliberate concession. So it's been a pretty positive week for City, hopefully with a um, a great flourish to come on Sunday with a cup win, the first trophy of the season.
2: Yeah, you mentioned that you've kind of struggled in the Premier League, uh, picking up losses to Leicester and Tottenham, which for any other club would be no slap in the face. And West considering... Ham. <laughs> and West Ham. Um... And West Ham. But that was before the announcement, which ruins my narrative, but it was true nonetheless. Um, but it kind of reminds me, because it was around this time of year when Harry Redknapp started being linked with the England job, all uh, the players started questioning their future at the club, how all of that was going to shake out. Do you think we're seeing a little bit of that at Manchester City since that announcement?
1: Um, honestly, no. And I take the point, and it's a, it's a really reasonable question, but to me, the way City have Um, have played since the Guardiola announcement has generally been consistent with our form over the last 14 months or so you think back to this stage last season and we were in the middle of a run uh, in which we lost eight out of 15 games the kind of run that would that has in Premier League history seen any manager of a top club sacked and Pellegrini wrote uh, was was able to survive that Um, and I think Obviously, we've had flashes of brilliance in that time. We we finished last season in great form when we won six out of six. And we started this season on fire with uh, five wins from the first five uh, without conceding a goal and playing great football. But generally, um, no, the way we've played over the last few games has been really consistent with um, what Pellegrini's Manchester City are. Um, and, I mean, people were trotting out stats. And they're fair enough, but... The back-to-back losses to Leicester and Tottenham were the first time we'd lost back-to-back home games in eight years, which sounds really damning. Um, and I know this is going to sound like a really small-time thing to say, but um, it's probably the first time in eight years that we've played the, um, the team's position first and second back-to-back at home as well. And while City should be good enough to um, to beat Leicester and Tottenham in you know on any given day you also have to accept that they are both very good teams they they were first and second for a reason at the time that we played them um and Pellegrini did as Pellegrini does he didn't account for the opposition he was very rigid in um his ideas of this is how football should be played this is how Manchester City play and the opposition will just have to adapt to us um it's a very naive approach that um in particularly against Leicester when we just gave Mares the, the run of the pitch uh, because we didn't make a plan for him and we picked our slowest defence to play against Jamie Vardy. It's just, it's absolute, um, it's naive and it's a really arrogant management style. Um, and I don't think the, the Guardiola announcement has had too much of an impact. I mean, I'm sure it's in players' minds. Everybody knows they're playing for a future. Um, but I don't think that's the key reason for uh, the dip in form since the announcement, I think, is just indicative of the way City play. And um, it, it makes quite an easy narrative at the moment.
2: Mm. Yeah, it was pretty easy for me. So But it's true. That's literally what I did. I was like, the Red nap stuff started in February and then we were awful for the rest of the year. And uh, yeah, that was very disappointing, of course, not making Champions League that year in part because of that. Uh, mm-hmm. So glad to hear that's not happening to you. Uh, Sean, it's been a, a little bit since we've had you on as well. You mentioned West Ham no longer in the lofty heights of the Premier League, but still playing some pretty excellent football. What's been your take on the club of late?
0: Well, uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, we've got Payet, Dimitri Payet. I've heard of him. He's just good. don't think you understand. <laughs> He's super slabs man. He's better than Zidane. We've got Dimitri Payet. Have you heard that, So Have you had, uh, heard any West Ham fans mention Payet at all in the last... Three months. Who? <laughs> Jimmy. Oh, yeah. He, he is... I mean, it's, it's amazing. You know, as a West Ham fan, you know, we don't have great expectations. And, and this is one player that uh, the TV companies want to put on all the time. Uh, this is because the neutrals love watching. Nearly every uh, supporter I speak to would love him in their team. Um, in fact, we're getting to a point now where supporters said, well, we wouldn't mind Lanzini and we wouldn't mind that Antonio and we wouldn't mind uh, Aaron Cresswell. And, and what a great buy Sam Byron was. So we're in this enviable position where actually people want people in our team. Um, uh, and I'll come back to, um, of course, we play Sunderland. I know we're going to do a bit of a preview. We're doing playing Sunderland, the old man, and, you know. Uh, Sam Allardyce and he's come out and said some things, but I'm going to save that for a bit later. But you know, here's a man who bought Stuart Downing. He paid nearly 11 million for Matt Jarvis. He paid 17 million for Andy Carroll. You know, two of them are left. Uh, one of them's still on the sick bench. You know, Bilic come in. He's bought Dimitri Payet. He's bought, uh, or, or we've got Lanzini. and We're just about to buy him for a knockdown price, and Antonio. Macau um, Antonio from Knox uh, Forest and you know it, it's it's a turnaround and it's a great time for a West Ham fan to be alive you can probably tell by my um, by my demeanour at the moment even des- despite being ill so I apologise if I cough tonight but really that all was encompassed in the FA Cup uh, fifth round match at Ewood Park last week uh, we're still buoyant and high from that because, you know, it's not often you go and win 5-1 and, you know, people will say, yeah, but it was a, it was a, you know, poorer opposition. But, you know, let's not forget, you know, Blackburn have done what West Ham have never done. They've won the Premier League, you know, until recently they were in the Premier League and, um, you know, they, they're still a decent side. You can't just write off, you know, uh, another side saying, well, they're in another division and, and therefore, West Ham should just roll over. But, you know, it was one of those all-round experiences, which I think was really good. I'll ask you guys in a minute. Really good for a neutral to watch. Uh, and again, it's the man, Dimitri Payet, the little tricks he does. You know, that free kick, his solo goal, where he just, you know, goes inside, past the defender, wallop, and takes it. Um, our new loan signing, who I've been slagging off, by the way, um, Eminiki, who, who scores? I mean, one was a tap in. The other one was was well taken. We we joked that Carlton Cole wouldn't have got that. <laughs> um, and Antonio, you know, Antonio bought for seven million. Everyone's going, oh, will he get a, into the team? You know, here's here's we've got one of what's considered one of the best wingers in the Premier League, or certainly was, in Victor Moses from Chelsea, uh, paying him an absolute fortune, over a hundred grand. If he plays, he gets over a hundred grand a week, and yet he's sitting on the bench because we put a championship player who was up to a few games ago, a championship player ahead of him who we bought for seven million. And I think, that you know, it's great. It's great. We've got, we've got, we're in the FA Cup final. Sorry, FA Cup final. That's a fraudulent slip. We're in the FA Cup quarterfinal. <laughs> um, and I think we've got a really good chance of going all the way uh, into the final and having a real cracking final this year. You know, although said we're slipping down the Premier League, we're still on 40 points. We're safe, by the way. We're not getting relegated. We're on the same points. We've been six all season apart from very recently. We've been six or above. You know, lofty heights of third. Um, We're only dropped down on goal difference. One goal difference with Southampton. Uh, We're we're level on points with sixth place on 40 points and one goal difference. So, you know, a win against Sunderland uh, this weekend. We're playing the mighty Spurs on Wednesday and I will be there. I fancy us turning you over as well, Kev. Um, and I still think we can get a top six finish and an FA Cup win. How's that? How optimistic is that? Um, but, you know, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. We're we're all happy and we, we have to pinch ourselves occasionally as West Ham fans and going, it will all go pear-shaped in a minute. You know, even... We've, we've suffered injury after injury. You know, we, we lost Payet for nearly three months. We lost uh, Andy Carroll off and on all the time. You know, we've lost Enna e- e- Valencia. We've lost our top goal scorer, um, or was our top goal scorer, who set a 20-goal uh, uh, target of Diofra Sacco, who's still not back. Uh, we've got Winston Reed out. You know, all of these players are out at the moment, and yet we've got the breadth of a squad... To still carry on and still get results, that's not the West Ham I know. It's not the West Ham that many other people know. So you know, we, we without getting too dramatic, we're in a, a bit of a start of a golden era, and we, we we feel we're on the cusp of something special, and that will start with moving. You know, hopefully we'll have a really good season, maybe a top six finish with a bit of luck, and then onto the Olympic Stadium in August, and um you know, the the, the delights that wait us there, spending more money, big budget in, in the summer when the new TV money comes and uh, onwards and upwards. And I, I don't know if you saw in the news, but our new claret and blue seats have just been installed in the Olympic Stadium. So if you're a taxpayer, um, thank you very much for that. A, a UK taxpayer, that is. Thank you very much for paying for our seats in the new Olympic Stadium. Yeah, I'm not sure tons of people
2: will be thrilled with that,
0: but I will speak for them and say you're welcome anyway. But, but my question to you, hmm. Kev, is I'm sure you've watched some match. Hopefully you've watched some West Ham matches. I mean, yeah. is there that excitement of watching and saying, you know, it's like watching Brazil? Well, when <laughs> Brazil were good. <laughs> right.
2: Now, because now, now they still play Paulinho sometimes. Um, there is definitely a little bit more flair there, although some of your recent performances have kind of been last Gaspers, where, you know, Pyatt found it very hard to get through the defense, and then in the last match randomly pops up with a goal and an assist in the last 10 minutes. Uh, But that's that's what he brings. I do recall uh, West Ham fans, you know, talking about how Tottenham were a one-player club uh, back when we had Gareth Bale, who snatched... Victory from the jaws of otherness. Uh, I'm not saying it's at that point, but, you know, he, he's, he is really just a game-changing player. There's no arguing that. And with Lanzini on the way back, and I do like Diofra Sacco, I thought the Emanike thing was a good stopgap signing. Well, is that loan to buy or just loan? What, with
0: who's? Oh, the Emanike. We hmm. haven't got an option to buy, but we won't buy him. We've got, um you know, he's, he's As soon as Sacco out, he's and he's Valencia 29. are both fit, then you'll... Yeah, yeah, and and we're we're getting the um, Marseille guy, um, Michy uh, Batshuayi. Michi, yeah, that's adorable. Yeah, yeah. But
2: whatever, yeah. we'll talk about that yeah. in the summer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I do understand that if he went to you, he would be your best striker as opposed to our backup. But you know, Pochettino, man.
0: <laughs> would you have Dimitri Payet in your right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you would. Would you swap him, what for Delhi Ali? What who
2: would you swap him for? Interesting. Um, hmm, This is going to ruffle many a Tottenham feather, Yeah, but I think he's I've more seen. dynamic than Christian Eriksen. I think Eriksen is a tidier player, but I think Pyatt can make it happen on his own, and Eriksen is at his best when his teammates are at their best, as opposed <gasps> to Pyatt, who raises the level of the players he's playing with.
0: Same question to Richard. I mean, obviously, you've got a wealth of... Uh, talent in your squad with mm.
1: Dimitri Payet for in in the Man City um see, i i mean I, I can only echo probably what um you'd fully expect me to say that i, I really really like him i was the, the, i mean the closest i've watched him was in the uh, the the recent game at your place between West Ham and City the 2-all draw and he was absolutely magnificent um and so i i really really like him and I really want to answer yes to this question. Um, I, I'm not sure I can because I think, assuming, assuming um, our our midfielders, our creative players, and what have you, are at their best, I think he'd probably just miss out. But I'd certainly have him in the squad. he would be, I'd, I'd love him as somebody to have in rotation and um, and put pressure on players to to force them to. Um, to hit top form, and so that nobody could rest on the laurels. I, mean, I don't think he'd come in as a as a first teamer, um, but I, I do like him. He'd be, he's a player that I would very much, uh, I'd very much welcome at City because uh, he is he's he's fantastic to watch. And as um, as Kev said, he's dynamic, and a player like that can force other players to raise the level. One of the things that I find really interesting about the way he's spoken about is that because he's new to the Premier League, and you know a lot of people have been caught um, unawares by just how good he is. People seem to think he's a kid. Like commentators do it, Michael Owen the other day said something on the lines of, oh, "He's got, he, he's got something special, this kid." He's like, he, he's twenty eight, <laughs> <He's, laughs> and he's twenty nine uh,
0: next month as well. Yeah, yeah. that's
1: like a, a footballer's peak years, you know. I mean, he's not learning the game, is he? This is, he's probably as good as he's going to be, um, and hopefully he holds that level for a long time for you because he's fantastic. But he's not a new kid on the block, so to speak, is he? I find it's a really interesting way that people look well, at him. Apparently,
0: Newcastle Spurs. And uh, yeah, Newcastle and Spurs both turned him down. Mm. Uh, obviously, uh, Newcastle chief scout is well, nearly most of their players came in from France, <laughs> and they decided he was too old. Mm. Um, that and, also and was just, probably where Tottenham were coming from as well. Well, Tottenham it, it was David Ginola, David David Ginola came out last week and said he recommended. You know, because everybody likes jump on the bandwagon. <laughs> <Right>. David Ginola <laughs> came out and said I recommended Dimitri Payet to Daniel Levy and really rated him and said he would really uh, fit in with English football. And I've been proved right. Mm. <laughs> I love yeah,
2: people see, a, a thing that Tottenham love to do is something that maybe Liverpool could learn a lesson from, which is uh, we tend to not spend lots of money in positions where we're already set, where we have a player like Christian Eriksen, who even though right now, and I'm talking about literally today, not even this entire season, but today I'd probably take Piet over Eriksen. Erickson, obviously, much younger. We still got him for a song as well. We didn't feel the need to double up. It's exactly what happened erroneously on our part with Suarez, where our scouting team decided, well, we already gave you Rafael van der Vaart. Why do you want another one? Which is both a naive comparison um, and proved to be a little bit uh, foolish. Um, but yeah, obviously, he's a player that I would have liked for us to have had. Uh, but he's one of the things that's making this Premier League so interesting, where you had Pyatt going to you. You had Andre Ayu going over to uh, Swansea. You had all these deals. I loved the Jermaine Lenz deal to Sunderland before uh, English football realized that he's not a high uh, work <laughs> high work rate player. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's uh, definitely an exciting year. And for the Premier League's sake, I'm glad that you got him instead.
1: Selling a little? In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today.
0: Anyway, I'm sure you're gonna say, um, This is not the Dimitri Pyre podcast. That's another podcast. (laughs) Oh, did you not? uh,
2: We actually rebranded this week.
0: So yeah, the Dimitri Piet hour. But you know, for every <laughs> every uh, player like that who makes it even later on, you know, there's there's a hundred that didn't, yeah. you know, make the step up from the French or the you know the the um, Belgian or, or or one of the other leagues that you know people are trying to get bargain buys and you know hit the the ground running on the Premier League, isn't there? So, but we're happy, we're happy with him. Um, we don't think because of his I think the in some ways the age helps us this is the last thing I'll say on this the age helps us because he'd be 29 in the summer I think if he was a 23 year old midfielder um attacking midfielder in the form he's playing I think man city chelsea uh man united uh arsenal would come in with a big money that we couldn't refuse but I think the age we we'll, you know we've we've done a new deal with him, we've made him the highest paid player at West Ham, and I think he'd be happy to to stay at West Ham because he he understands that you know that that big mega deal won't come in for him he'd be a thirty forty million pound player if he was twenty two yeah in my view,
2: yeah, I'd agree with that. All right. Anyway, uh, we're happy hammers. We're happy hammers. Yeah, you made a good point that we may want to move on as it's been 30 minutes. and (laughs) I haven't even talked about Tottenham yet, and I do go on a bit, don't I? Um, uh, For Tottenham, obviously, things have been going pretty smoothly. The the, um, loss that we suffered in the FA Cup to Crystal Palace wasn't necessarily uh, something to write home about. Obviously, the, the draws that we had... Um, not things that you uh, love a whole bunch, like against Fiorentina. Also, we're playing Fiorentina right now as we record. Tottenham currently 1-0 up, so if you hear me yelp and or cry, uh, <laughs> that's that's the basis of that, but we'll touch on Europa League here in a little bit. But uh, really, the big news uh, this week came today, just about an hour before we came to, to recording, which is that the mayoral office in London, a.k.a. Boris Johnson, has uh, approved Tottenham's final plans for the new stadium. So that looks like it will all start moving along very quickly. We'll need to get to England to get to some White Hart Lane action before it gets torn down. Um, and, and that's kind of the mood that's been floating around is that that uh, very quick uh, split that I just made there of how exciting it is about the new stadium, but also... This is also kind of the end of an era for many people, and and that's being reflected in the community. of A lot of people that are very delighted with the news, realizing that, as Levy has always said, we need to have a bigger stadium if we want to have continued success, both financially and on the pitch. Um, And then a whole bunch of fans that are very reminiscent and and don't want to see White Hart Lane go away. Uh, If we do end up making Champions League, which it would be pretty hard for us to screw up at this point, but we are Tottenham. It's always uh, within our power to somehow ruin it. Um, having Champions League football at the lane in the last year of its existence would be very special. Much like, Sean, you were mentioning, if you could get an FA Cup uh, win in your last year at, at uh, your stadium, it would have even more impact. So uh, that the should The bowling ground, we like to call it, Kev. That's why I left it alone, None because I think I've gone both rubbish. ways and been corrected twice. So I'm just going to leave it, call it that stadium. Uh, the next year we can start anew. With Olympic Stadium, are you going to call it the something else ground just to keep me nice and confused?
0: Well, it will. It's not allowed to be called. Well, a little bit of trivia, and I won't be too long. But it can't be called the Olympic Stadium anymore because you need to have naming rights from the IOC, and they don't. So the real name of the stadium is the the stadium, the stadium at the Queen Elizabeth Park. That's the real name of it. But of yeah, course, that's awful. in the next it month, <laughs> it will get a sponsor. And that sponsor, so it will become the whatever stadium. I, I, I don't know who's won the rights, but it's a it's an international major brand that's won the rights, which will be announced soon.
2: Mm. All right, well then they'll sort that out at some point. Um, but yeah, like I said, not really much going on at the club. Obviously, trying to just keep up with uh everything in all the different competitions and by all of them it's really just the two and one of them's happening right now new stadium not really much on the front other than pochettino is allegedly still the next on the contract block uh it seems to be stalling a little bit but plenty of years left on that deal as well so no real panic just uh you know would have liked to have gotten it done already it does seem like the rumors to other clubs have died down a bit Um, so I'm, I'm very confident, especially if we make champions league, I think there's no way that he leaves. If we do miss out somehow, you know, then there's a very small, maybe 10, 15% chance he does, but pretty confident that we'll hang on to him. Uh, I mentioned how we're playing Fiorentina right now. Uh, it's very interesting because this could have a large, uh, well, everybody in England could have a large stake in a match like this. Uh, between an English side and an Italian side in the European competition because we're dealing with all this coefficient stuff. So my question to you guys is, since all of us have rivals, because right now, Richard, obviously you're dealing with United, who just pulled one back uh, with Mitchell yeah. And Sean, <laughs> you have us that are currently in, in Champions League as well. Chelsea and Arsenal, obviously. We have Arsenal. Do you find yourselves being a little bit more... Uh, hmm less antagonizing towards those people knowing that if enough English sides go out that England could lose a Champions League spot in the coming years.
1: Um, I'd I'd love to say something um, really clever and insightful but it's a really simple no um, for me and it's like really petty maybe um, and uh, I don't know maybe just just self-involved but I certainly in the case of United like at, at no at no cost or at, at no expense do i want them to be successful um and like the fact that they were losing earlier and that they faced the um the very real risk of exiting the europa league tonight to um absolute minnows is something that i find hilarious and i i i don't really care how how petty that is um i, I don't really i mean might sound daft but I don't really do England like when it comes to international football I find myself very detached from um from supporting the national team um and so that also replicates in in club football I just like as twee as this sounds I'm interested in the football I almost like you know it's a terrible terrible phrase to say but football should be the winner and so when English teams play um play in Europe my interest is in watching a good game and if the English team win great and if the the foreign team win you know if that's Arsenal versus Barcelona I want that to be a good game of football and and that's my only interest I, I can't sit there and have any kind of conscious thought that if Arsenal score if Arsenal progress then that's better for the coefficient like it's it's not really part of my thinking so of course it's nice you know when when English teams do well I don't I don't begrudge them and I'm never willing them to lose um, unless it's United. Um, But I I certainly don't give any, I don't have any extra goodwill for them because it might mean that we keep an extra Champions League space. Um, Because, I don't know, I can't really give any insight onto why I think that. Do you think a
2: part of it is because you've kind of been at the... You know, you're in a situation where Manchester City are usually aiming above fourth, so it wouldn't impact you. Or do you just find the whole topic boring? Which I will make it very much later.
1: Um, it's not. I I don't find it boring. It's just I don't know. Maybe it's something that's gone wrong in in my psyche. Like I say, like I for a good, um, at least a good ten years, I've had no interest in the national team, and I, I've thought like long and hard about where that is like, why that's happened, because I used to, and I, I've tried to analyse that in myself, and I've never really come up with a satisfying answer, and it it definitely, like, not caring as such about how English teams do in the Champions League is just a, an extension of that. I don't have, I don't know the fact they're an English team doesn't pull on my heartstrings or make me wish them any better, Um and so... I then don't have the conscious thought about, well, this might benefit City in the long run. But um it certainly isn't a that isn't a, a mentality since City became successful um or were shooting at, you know, higher than fourth. Um it's it's been the way I've felt about things for a long time. I don't know if that's really um, you know, I'm not claiming that's a good thing, because maybe I should care more for teams from my own country. Maybe something's gone wrong with me there. Um, but it's just the way I am about it. I can't it's just not really part of my thinking. I, I'm, I'm with you, actually. I mean, let's be honest. Club football is tribal,
0: right? Um, I actually have a lot of time for Man City fans because, do you know what? When the club was down there in the lower divisions, you know, Man City fans came thick and thin. You didn't, they didn't wait for Champions League football and European football before they started supporting their club. But I'm thinking if man united get through to the europa league uh then they've got to play a europa game on a thursday before and after we play them in the quarter final i want them to be tired you know so i'm actually more interested in how their results the english results affect teams we're going to play so no i don't give a i don't give any thought about you know how many uh, teams are going to be in europe or in the champions league etc um, you know, it's club first, and that now goes because we are such a big league now and we've got so many international players. I also begrudge, you know, going back to the Dimitri Payat podcast, uh, Dimitri <laughs> Payat not being picked by their champs for, for France. Great because it, it, you know, it's a long season, it'd be it'd be less tired not by not being picked, and he's got less chance of being injured. O'Bonner posted a picture on Twitter of him to the um. Italian coach going by a phone box Going you know have you lost my number (laughs) Um, You know again I don't care Because it might sound very selfish But it's club first country Second
2: As long as it falls outside of rival territory I'm weirdly as the non-English Person on this (laughs) show uh, A little more uh, Find myself rooting more for The other sides I think it's nice to see City for City City. (laughs) 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 To find uh, City finally performing well uh, in the later stages of the Champions League. And uh, to Sean's point, I did very much enjoy uh, Arsenal losing to Barcelona, although I will begrudgingly admit that Arsenal did play fairly well in that match. Um, But the coefficient angle of this is interesting, and by interesting I mean maybe to only me. Uh, But it has kind of put uh, the fear into me a little bit, because as it stands right now, if the season ended today... Italy would vault England in the coefficient rankings, meaning that that the Premier League would lose a Champions League spot, which would be crazy for uh, the year following next, I believe. is how that all breaks down. But um, as it stands, England are currently on 73.159 points, Italy sitting on 69.772. So that's how close things are. And if the season ended today... England would lose a Champions League spot. That's how crazy it is. And that's partially due to a five-year cycle in the rankings and the fact that the biggest gap between England and Italy was five years ago in the 2011-2012 season. So the gap of 3.893, which again is the biggest between the two, disappears, leaving England 0.546 below Italy. Um, there is hope that this will A, not continue, and B, Uh, that you will be spared me talking about statistics and coefficient points soon. Uh, But the draw was kind to England, with Roma drawing Madrid and Juve drawing Bayern. Uh, Roma, of course, losing Juve equal with Bayern as they head back to the Allianz. Uh, But England also got dealt a pretty tough hand, with Arsenal, of course, getting Barcelona, Chelsea getting PSG. Um, Basically, as it breaks down with... Lazio having already beaten Galatasaray and Arsenal looking like they're going to lose uh, against Barcelona. Uh, Two teams, two English teams of Manchester City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, Liverpool, Manchester United have to make it further than Italian sides of Roma, Juve, Napoli, Lazio, and Fiorentina. And if that happens, England will hold on to its fourth Champions League spot. But that is not as easy a task as it may look on paper. If Juve and Roma do both crash out, and if Manchester United somehow fall out, although I think they may have just scored, um, it, it, it looks like it could be okay. But this is something that is not going away. Italy keep doing fairly well in these competitions. And Sean did the Premier League no favors by not taking the Champions... Or sorry, by not taking Europa League seriously uh, early on. So uh, we'll see how all of that shakes down. But th- yeah, I, I A, find myself not minding. Uh, the success of other Premier League sides, as long as they aren't from London. And uh, B, I'm actually pretty concerned about this, despite the fact that it can be a bit boring, and I think that's why it fails to get loads of coverage. Um, But it is a very real threat to a side like Tottenham, who consistently are around that area. uh, Or, you know, a team like West Ham, where, you know, Sean, you were saying you're, you're trying to get up to sixth. This team is pretty young. You do have a lot of talent there. Maybe in a couple of years you'll be aiming... ...for that top four spot. And if it's gone, then you would have to take something like the Europa League more seriously to get in. So, all in all, yes, it can be boring. It is important, and I don't mind cheering on other English sides. All right, uh, now we will move on to Player Watch... ...where we'll quickly discuss a player that we think people should avoid in fantasy... Uh, Richard will be spared from this as they don't even have a match this week. So avoid all Manchester City players in fantasy. Uh, Sean, sorry, what? Sorry,
1: I was going to say on that, when I saw that in the running order, I don't even do fantasy football, so I wouldn't even (laughs) know where to start. Like I can can tell you who's not very good, but I don't Mm. know about point scoring. Well, I'll give you a
2: hint. All of them. Because another thing <laughs> we're playing this week. Um, and, Sean, the reason why I had to change it instead of who would you start is because we already had the pie at hour. We don't need more. <laughs> um, so what player at West Ham would you recommend avoiding this week?
0: So, I mean, everybody's... Uh, I, I was saying recently on, on our own West Ham podcast, you know, it's, it's hard to choose a player that isn't playing well. So I have to actually choose a player that's unlikely to play because they're injured. So... I wouldn't choose uh, Andy Carroll, because I think he's mm-hmm. unlikely to play a full match. He'll only play a bit part and come on maybe for a few minutes, so that would be a waste. Uh, Winston Reid will not be playing, so I wouldn't choose him either. Uh, Lanzini is not back to full match fitness, so I wouldn't choose him. Oh, interesting. And... Uh, do,
2: do we know a match return date? Because he's returned to training already. Who? Lanzini. Who? Oh,
0: Lanzini is fully fit, but this will be his first match. He's He's fully ready for selection. He'll so probably
2: be you know,
0: a sub. Not, start the next one. Yeah, he was. He was on the bench um, for the last game as well. Hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's back. Um, I wouldn't pick Victor Moses, and and I wouldn't choose. Um, obviously, enna Valencia is still out. Um, so it, it's just the injuries, really. I think everybody who's playing uh, plays well. Um, you know, there are there are other ones I would choose instead of. Uh, Payet as, as well but um, you know I wouldn't choose uh, uh, Sacco is the other one he's, he's a few days away he's, his injury has received but he's one for the future he's uh, maybe maybe here's a little breaking news just away from it he might be back for the Tottenham game on Wednesday uh, Kenny.
2: of course it's, oh, well, at least we have Loris back but we're going to be without Nembele. that's not going to be fun uh, in the interim will it be Emenike that gets the start up front for West Ham
0: Yes, yeah, without a doubt. We haven't got anyone else. <laughs> so, Eminiki, I mean, you know, By he behold. got a brace
2: on his debut. Mm. So,
0: um, you know, unless we play a force nine, like Sam Allardyce would say, uh, Eminiki uh, will make uh, the start on, on Saturday. As I say, with Andy Carroll, as was a bit of backup. Maybe on, you know, a- Andy Carroll's always a great one for come on for the last 10 minutes as a, you know, he's, he's our 17 million pound super sub, isn't he?
2: Yeah. Uh, also. I still wouldn't put him in. I, I think uh, Antonio has the skills in finishing that you could play him up front if you had to. Um, but
0: yeah, yeah, well, I don't know if you know, but we played him at right-back last week.
2: Oh, dear. Well,
0: it's kind yeah, of like when Chadley first came to cause... us. He
2: played left-back and striker in the same year. So yeah, that's... Well, we
0: don't have a right-back, because we did have James Tompkins, who's, by the way, also uh, just recovering. Hmm. So, as right-back, obviously, we lost Kyle Jenkinson. And... Um, you know, Sam Byron was cup-tied, but um, Sam oh, Byron right. will come back in right back. But, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. All right, uh, yeah, for Tottenham, we're going to kind of stay on the, the flavor of, of wing-backs because they swap every match for Tottenham. And we always play whoever the rested pair is for each match, regardless of competition. So unless you want to waste all of your transfers while trying to keep up with this rotation, I'd probably advise you to look elsewhere. We're seeing Trippier and Davis today, means we'll see Walker and Rose at the weekend, much like we saw them last weekend against Crystal Palace. The only thing that could throw a wrench in this is actually a thing that's happened while we've been recording, which is Kieran Trippier picking up a yellow card. Um, Which means if he picks up another, and we advance of course, that he could be suspended from that competition that may cause us to have to change that slightly. But as it stands, we're rotating two full wingbacks every single match, so, you know... If there's not a midweek match, then you're in the trouble of, okay, well then it's going to be Trippier and Davis. Like you were mentioning, uh, the West Ham match is going to fall midweek, so which side are we? Which pair are we going to see? So it's probably something you just want to avoid on the whole. Also, I think Erickson is a bit pricey at 8.6. I know that he offers more than Della Ali does, but Della Ali does it for 2.5 cheaper in the official game. So anyway, that is my quick take on that. Now for previews we're going to do something a little bit different because we do have a cup final to discuss. So we will start with Richard before spreading it out to the group. But Richard, what is your take as you head into the Capital One Cup final against Liverpool?
1: Um I'm slightly nervous, which I suppose is natural before a cup final. Um I am also excited. Um a day out at Wembley is always fun. Um we've had um a, a good few of them in in recent years and Barring the excitement of the first one, which was the the 2011 FA Cup final against United, um, that was extremely special. With the exception of that one, the rest of them, it never gets boring. None of them will ever be quite that level because it was United and it was the start of the so-called power shift in Manchester. And it was uh, my first time at Wembley since the Division 2 playoff final when I was 10. Um, But it doesn't get old. Um, and I used to wonder that when United used to be going there like seemingly twice a year when, when I was growing up. Do they ever get bored of it? And, and you just don't. So I'm excited for that. Um, in terms of um, a rivalry, although obviously Liverpool are far bigger rivals of United than they are of us, um, it's also other than that derby, um, it's the the biggest, I don't know, maybe the biggest rivalry between supporters that we've had at, at Wembley. So it should make for a great atmosphere. We've never had any um, real issue with Stoke fans or Sunderland fans. They were just good atmospheres because they were a final. This will be a good atmosphere because it's a final and it's City v Liverpool. And you throw in the whole sort of uh, Raheem Sterling narrative that's going to, you know, the Liverpool fans are really going to get on his back. Um, City fans will obviously be noisy in his favour when that happened. So it should be a, a really good atmosphere. Um, In terms of what I expect to happen on the pitch, um, I think there's two teams in the Premier League that I think are brilliantly set up to exploit uh, City's vulnerabilities. Um, The first one would be Tottenham. And then just behind them would be Liverpool. that relies on a few things. That relies on Liverpool hitting their absolute top form, um, as they did at the Etihad when they they were out of sight within 30 minutes when they beat us 4-1. But the difference is that day we had uh, Mangala and Dimichelis at centre-back. And I fully expect on Sunday we'll have company in Otamendi. Um, And whilst Otamendi is not perfect, um, he's far better next to company than any of the other defenders are in any other partnership. Like it really brings the best out of him and company's company is a world class defender. Um, It's a shame that his season has been so curtailed by injuries, but as usual, he's just walked back in and and looked straight back to his best again. So that gives me some confidence. Um, I alluded to it earlier, but the biggest problem that we probably have on the day is, um, is probably, as in, like 99.9% certain to start Caballero in net, um, and, and that annoys me because the only argument you can make that Caballero should start this game is a sentimental one, i.e. he's played every game in this competition, wouldn't it be a shame for him to miss the final? And of course, on a human level, um, and a professional level, it would, but Manuel Pellegrini's job as manager is to maximise City's chances of winning this, this competition, um, and if... He opts to start Willie Caballero over Joe Hart in net. And he's doing exactly the opposite, and he's um, seriously diminishing City's chances of winning the cup. Um, because once again, I mean, I tried to be positive about Caballero the last time I was on on this podcast, and we had a discussion yeah, about yeah, how, yeah, we had a discussion about how good second string goal, our, our second string goalkeepers were. Um, And I said that horrible line that he was a reasonable shot stopper. Um, (laughs) And then he went and and proved me really wrong on Sunday. And it is clear that, um, I think what I said at the time was that he's he's not a good number two. He might be a really good goalkeeper, but he's not a good number two. Um, And that has been further evidenced in the last week. Um, And so playing him in a cup final, um, it, it really concerns me, like, it wouldn't be a good decision he doesn't he doesn't command his box or control his defense or distribute the ball as well as Joe Hart does um and he's, he's not as good at the, that really basic thing of shot-stopping. Liverpool are going to create chances. They will they will get behind our defence at times, that's almost certain. Joe Hart's fantastic at, at one-on-ones. In my opinion, probably the best in the league at that, maybe alongside uh, Larisse, who I think is particularly good off his line. Um, away from the goalkeepers, I think it's a real shame that we don't have Fabian Delph available. I think he'll be perfect for this game um, as a... I mean, he can sit deep, he can break up play, he can um, he can burst forward and, and distribute the ball brilliantly up front. So he will be a real big miss to us. Um, it would have given us a couple of options with what we could have done with Yaya Toure as well, um, because he does struggle to play two full games a week at the moment, and he put in a, um, a really good shift at, uh, in Kiev. So he might tire, that worries me slightly, especially against Liverpool's sort of intense pressing game. Um, but City do struggle with pressing and if liverpool were to win it wouldn't exactly be the biggest upset so i think i i can force myself to be positive um i can i can make myself feel quite confident because clearly when you see how well city played against kiev despite this season being quite frustrating. Actually, City are still a pretty good team. They they flatter to deceive a lot, but they've got that that sort of Wembley experience, that cup final experience. They've got big game players who can push them over the line. Um, but I, I do still worry that... I mean, Klopp, I'm sure Klopp is just going to set Liverpool up to try and do exactly what they did to us at the Etihad. They will try and hit us early. And if they do that, City could really be in for a lot of problems. Um, and Pellegrini, doesn't tend to learn from his mistakes because he's so set on his way is the right way, and um, that he'll just try and play the way that he always does. He won't make plans for what Liverpool offer. It'll just be no, this is how this is how we do it. Um, so I I have my concerns, but our strongest eleven against their strongest eleven should we should win the game. And I, I was going to be really petty and say that the most pleasing thing would be if we win this with a Raheem Sterling goal. Um, And I thought, no, that's probably really uh, sad and myopic. Um, And so instead, I'll say I'd rather we win this with a Raheem Sterling (laughs) hat-trick.
2: I love it. If I had to push you for a score?
1: Um, I've been consistent with this on uh, a couple of other places that I've been talking about this game. So I'm going to stick with two all in normal time and a City win on penalties. And if we're to get really specific, uh, 4-3 in the shootout.
2: Wow. That uh, is was very Sterling. specific. Everybody yeah. place your bets. Sterling scoring the winner or Milner missing the decisive. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Or both. It could be both. That would um, be, be
1: perfect. I like James Milner and, mm-hmm. and all that. But that would be... They um, do
2: not like him.
1: It would, it would be a great narrative if he
2: were to do that. <laughs> yeah. All right, Sean, we'll throw this to you. What do you see happening in this match?
0: Put a, a West Ham slant on it. Obviously, we've paid uh, Liverpool three times this season and beaten them every single time. So we've, we've (laughs) we've shown the frailties of Liverpool. Um, and obviously Jurgen Klopp needs to, you know, won't be able to sort it out until probably next season. So they they just can't defend against set pieces. I think if you just play set pieces, and you have company back, so that'll help. Yeah, uh, I I think Man City can won't need to go to penalties and, and come on in in normal time because uh, that's where the weak spot is. That said, you know, bringing back the West Ham theme, obviously we've beaten Man City once and and drawn, drawn against them. They've got frailties this season as well. Uh, um, so you know, anything can happen in a cup final. Um, I you know, two Premier League rivals. Personally, I'd like City to do it. I've said I've got more affinity. To city fans and i do to liverpool fans Uh, (laughs) yeah and and i think they can do it you know no fair play to pellegrini i think they can do it in normal time Uh, i think it'll be quite a tight match i think i will just go with one nil um and hopefully my star striker aguero fit is he
1: yeah. Yes. Yeah, and, and uh in really good
0: form. So yeah, he's, he's yeah, So Aguero yeah. Aguero to get the winner, um maybe from a set piece as well. So that, <laughs> that that's my prediction. Oh, like
2: those cheeky Aguero headers where you're just like, How? Like if he had scored any other yeah. way, it'd be fine. <laughs> that would that would be funny indeed. Uh when you mentioned so There it, we go.
0: I'll be specific as well. I'll go for an Aguero header, one mm-hmm.
2: nil in, <laughs> in the ninetieth minute. Um, In in the 84th minute. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, We just lost a lot of listeners to this specific episode. As you said, you have an affinity towards City uh, fans and not Liverpool fans. I'm pretty sure Liverpool fans comprise about 50% of our audience base. But uh, I will have to further sadden them. I do think that this is City's match to lose. I I tried to talk myself into going the other way while you were talking Sean. I was like, should I should I try to go devil's advocate here? I mean, yeah, companies just coming back from injury. Sometimes that defense struggles against pace, which you already mentioned, Richard. How Tottenham and Liverpool kind of have that formula against you. But then you flip it around and you're saying, "Okay, well maybe Sturridge has a chance against your center backs. How about Aguero against theirs?" Like this could get sloppy. It really could. There could be a lot of goals in this. Um and I think City will do better. I think seeing a positive performance out of Silva, which you also mentioned, is huge. I, I still think he's one of probably the 10, easy, easily top 10, maybe 5 best players in the Premier League when he's playing to his actual ability level, um, which he has not been, to be fair, but but he did do well against Kiev. Yeah, I'm going to say 3-2. I will agree with you that it will go to extra time but that Aguero will win it during said extra time before making I like, the penalties.
1: I like that. I feel like between the three of us, we've sort of negotiated an amicable solution. <laughs> Only like, for City, like, though. If yeah, Liverpool no, it's like,
2: win, we're all wrong.
1: Yeah, it's like the, you, you've mediated between us and found and found the right result. I'll take <laughs> that. I'm the common <laughs> ground.
2: I'm the Camp David of this podcast. Like, 12 people <laughs> just got that reference. Um, <laughs> All right, and from those city predictions, we will go on to our club's matches. Sean, we'll start off with you and West Ham's match against Sunderland.
0: Yeah, so this is a grudge match, isn't it? For the first time since uh, Sam Allardyce left and, you know, he's not got a big love affair with West Ham fans. You know, it ended a little bit. You know, we understand that he got us up for the first time of asking and he kept us in the Premier League, but the football wasn't exciting. Um, I think um, the chairman... David Sullivan and, and Billich shown great respect by saying, you know, they should respect him and what he did for West Ham. Uh, he's not been the same. He's gone on YouTube today on the official Sunderland and sort of said, you know, I reinvented West Ham and I want to upset West Ham fans by getting a result. and We need five wins on a row. You know, sometimes Sam Allardyce is Sam Allardyce. He should keep it shut, you know, and show a little bit of monogum. That said, you know, Billich, by the way. You know, is he in playing attractive football? But he's got the highest win percentage of any West Ham manager ever. No, it's a, no, it's early days, but 38%. Good percentage. We haven't lost at the bowling ground, Upton Park to you, since mm. August. Our only loss all year has been against Bournemouth, a 4-3 thriller. Um, we haven't lost since August. So we've got a good... You want to remember that for Wednesday, by the way, uh, against Spurs, Kev. Nope. Um, <laughs> we've got... You Know, I know they've done well, Sunderland, recently. You know, they got a win against United, didn't they? And and uh, who did they draw against? Was it uh, Liverpool or something? Yeah, um,
2: yeah, drew with Liverpool when the Liverpool fans walked out and they got two goals. You know,
0: they've got a sloppy defense, uh, and uh, you know, they've got Defoe that can score a goal. Um, but we've got Dimitri Payet, we've got uh, good attacking options and creativity. and. And we've, I think we've got a solid defence and two good goalkeepers. So I expect um, there to be goals, you know. Uh, and I am going to go for a 2-1 win for West Ham. And I think Dimitri Pyatt will be involved in both of those goals, you know, making one and scoring one. Good And I think that will put us, that will put us into um, back into the top six. Mm. So we won't expect anything. But I can tell you now, BBC Match of the Day will be showing some fans booing Sam Allardyce. That is inevitable. (laughs) But they will be having special roving mics out. But that's the way it is. You know, if you pay your money, I personally won't be booing. If you pay your money for your ticket, if you want to boo, boo. Personally, I don't see it. I won't be applauding the man. I won't be booing the man. Uh, You know, he's part of our history now. We get on with it. We've got a new, great manager who's playing attractive football, and I think he's going to get his next win on Saturday lunchtime kickoff.
2: Yeah, uh, Tottenham face Swansea, uh, and you, you have to be confident. Obviously, as a as a <laughs> Tottenham fan, uh, you always fear the vengeance that Sean was just kind of talking about. If somebody coming back, is it inevitable that Sigurdsson scores on a free kick or something? Yeah, probably. Uh, but you have to imagine that we'll be able to outscore them. We're facing a Swansea side, who have the second-fewest goals scored this season, facing us and our league-best defense. Fewest goals allowed this season. You Gotta love that matchup. If you, if you flip it around, we're still in the top five in goals scored. They're still somewhere in the middle, uh, defensively. I, I hate relying on paper, but... The Musa Dembele loss is actually a pretty big one for us. Our last three results without Dembele is a draw to Everton and losses to Newcastle and Leicester. You don't love that. So, you know, I could go out of hand if I was just going off statistics and say that this is probably going to be 3-1 or something to that effect. I'll tone it down a notch. I do think they get one on the board, although their, effect, their, their attack has been pretty stagnant. I do think it's likely Sigurdsson somehow manages to score uh i'm gonna say tottenham 2-1 all right and with that we are out of time so if you have any projects you lo- want to plug or tell people where to reach you now be a good time
1: yeah um you can get me on twitter um, at richard the burns um, you can also read my ramblings about city at typicalcity.org they are on twitter at typical city um and on facebook under the same name um you can read my writing at Yahoo, generally two articles a week about City. Um, and I also am part of the Blue Moon podcast, which is released every Friday. i um, obviously a dedicated Manchester City podcast. Um, yeah, so that's all the places you can get me. Um, I'm uh, Sean
0: uh, Whetstone, uh, at West Ham Football on Twitter. Uh, I write for Clarence Hugh and uh, West Ham fly Die, two West Ham blogs. And you can also find me presenting a podcast every Monday about West Ham called More Than Just a Podcast after the great Bobby Morse with two O's who had the 23rd anniversary of his death um, just uh, yesterday.
2: All right, and I am your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kevroff on Twitter. You can find my ramblings over at PlayTaga.com and TheEaglesBeak.com, both where I write about fantasy stuff. You want to listen to our fantasy roundtable that goes up on Thursday mornings and is out there now. Uh, you can also listen to, of course, this the EPL roundtable, which is out Fridays and Mondays. I also appear on All in Sports Talk as their Premier League contributor, and that goes up on Tuesdays. So be sure to check out some of those. I'm not going to ask you to check all of them. But yeah, thanks for joining us again, guys. It's a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening.